Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Can you think of a time or a place where Satan would want to steer clear? Where he would want to stop wreaking havoc on things, where he would rather leave something or someone alone? Satan did not want to stop his destructive work when Jesus was born. He influenced King Herod to kill all the baby boys in and around Bethlehem in an attempt to kill the newborn king. Satan did not want to avoid Jesus when our Lord was at the temple. Instead, the master of lies convinced some of the Jews to believe that Jesus had a demon and that he was a Samaritan. And so the crowd picked up stones to throw at Jesus, at our Savior, in order to end his life. Of course, Jesus passed through them and departed from the temple. Satan did not stay away when Jesus was transfigured on the mount, for the deceiver led Peter to say that Jesus should stay up on that mountain, that they should build some tents for him and Moses and Elijah, but the end result would mean if he stays there, he would not come down in order to fulfill our Lord's passion, going to the cross to pay for the sins of the world. And even when Jesus was present at a wedding, Satan did not want to stop wrecking things. In a perfect world, they would not have run out of wine at that wedding feast. But in a fallen world, things do go wrong at wedding ceremonies. At the reception following, some may drink too much, supplies may run out, and a whole host of other things could certainly go wrong on the wedding day. In the wedding at Cana, you heard it, they had run out of wine. This, of course, would be embarrassing to the couple who is supposed to be providing for their guests. Satan was trying to wreak havoc yet again to ruin the marriage of these newlyweds, even though our Lord Christ was present. God instituted marriage in paradise. In the Garden of Eden, before the fall of man into sin, when all things were good, when God joined Adam and Eve together in holy matrimony, what God established is good. A man and a woman are joined together for a lifelong union so that couples would love one another, complement each other, and raise their children in a good environment. Marriage provides security for couples and their children. Marriage serves as a prophylactic against sexual impurity. And it allows each individual to give himself or herself to that other person. Many things can and do go wrong in marriages in this fallen world. But as the wedding at Cana indicates, Christ Jesus is present. And he will come to help in time of need. Even though Jesus did not marry a woman while walking the face of the earth, he still serves as a model for marriage. He does first by teaching what marriage is. 
In Matthew chapter 19, some of his disciples asked him some questions. And in response, Jesus said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. We do not learn what marriage is through rebellious man. But we learn what marriage is through God. Marriage is not a union between any two who are obsessed over each other. But instead, marriage is a union between one man and one woman, as Jesus himself defined it, who are to love each other with that unconditional love. This means love that is far more than a lustful feeling or a romantic desire or an obsessive infatuation. Love is more than this. It is a giving of the self to the spouse. It is forgiving each other as Christ himself has forgiven us. It is covering for the other as we are covered in the very righteousness of Christ. You see, the scriptures teach us what marriage is through Christ, who not only describes marriage, as we heard there in Matthew chapter 19, but Jesus also lives out a type of union. He is described as the bridegroom. For Christ Jesus has wed himself to his bride and he has given himself up for her. He loves her unconditionally. He forgives her and covers for her. He died for her that he may sanctify her as truly spotless. In doing so, Christ presents his bride before our Father as holy and without blemish. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. This mystery is that Jesus is wed to his bride, the church, the Christian church. And so, as members of this church, we are joined to him who is our head. We are his body, and he is our Savior. We submit to him, for he has taken upon himself the responsibility of all our sin, and he redeemed us by the way of the cross, so that he would cleanse us of all unrighteousness and sanctify us that we may be presented as spotless. And so, though our sins are like scarlet, in Christ, we are as white as snow. Because Jesus fulfills this responsibility on our behalf, we submit ourselves to him. In fact, our submission to Christ is pure joy, for he unconditionally loves us. He laid down his life for us even before we could request it. And he gives us as our inheritance everything that belongs to him. 
What Jesus has done for our redemption then serves as a model for marriage. A husband is to love his wife as Christ loves his bride, the church. A wife is to respect her husband as the church respects Christ. The church submits to Christ because of what he has done, and wives are to submit themselves to their husbands, but because of what they are to do in sacrificial love for their, their wives. This beautiful picture of marriage also reveals the Christological character of marriage. Marriage is not an invention of man to be redefined by man as man sees fit. But marriage is a divine institution reflecting Christ and his bride, the church. The attempt of our society to redefine marriage is futile. Satan may think that he is having a heyday, but God will judge accordingly. Many wonder, how did we get to this point in our society? Many feel blindsided by this sudden shift not only in redefining marriage, but also in redefining what it means to be male or female. But this is the logical conclusion to the sexual revolution of the 1960s, where it no, it no longer remained important to reserve sexual relations for the marriage bed. And then in the 1970s came no-fault divorce laws, further diminishing God's design for marriage. And during that same time, children began to be viewed as but a nice extra instead of a heritage given from the Lord and a blessing of God. Couples have since worked hard to prevent receiving the very gift that God desires to give in marriage. Once marriage is reduced to an afterthought, with couples cohabiting first and then marrying, and the lifelong commitment of couples in marriage can now be ended by one person over any superfluous reason, and the blessing of children are removed from the family makeup, then marriage is no longer treasured, or revered, or desired, or even respected. Then that paves the way for marriage to become anything anyone wants it to be. And Satan is loving it. He's loving the destruction that he has brought about. May God grant repentance to all who have been deceived, that they may see clearly what marriage really is and rejoice in this institution of God and the union that God creates. Let's face it, all divorce is sinful. Man is not supposed to tear apart what God has joined together. Yes, Jesus allowed divorce when sexual immorality is involved. He says that in Matthew 19. And the Holy Spirit guided St. Paul to also add desertion as a reason for divorce in 1 Corinthians 7. When the marriage vows are transgressed, forgiveness should be the first aim, not divorce. And like all sin, divorce, though, is forgivable. You see, Jesus does not divorce himself from those who are divorced. He still covers for them. He still forgives them. He still sanctifies them. He still presents them as spotless, as his own bride, 
as long as they continue in the faith, knowing that this forgiveness is attainable, though should not cause us to freely disobey God on these matters so that we can have whatever the nilly-willy desires of the flesh are. The good thing God the good thing God creates, Satan tries to destroy. And so we do as the couple did when they got married at Cana. They invited Jesus to be at their wedding. In the same way, we seek Jesus as our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in time of trouble. We cast our cares upon him because he cares for us and his burden is light. With confidence, we approach his throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus attended the wedding at Cana. Jesus, as we hear at Christmas time, is our Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this same Jesus, who was present at the wedding at Cana, comes into our presence to bless marriages to this day. This same Jesus comes into our presence through his word and through his sacrament, and he is present to bless. He feeds us of himself so that we can be strengthened and forgiven. In fact, Satan is repelled by the all-powerful word of God. Jesus turned water into wine at Cana, and both water and wine remind us of the sacraments that Jesus instituted. In holy baptism, Jesus comes into our presence and covers us with his very righteousness. In holy communion, we eat the body and drink the blood of Jesus for the, for the forgiveness of our sins as we receive this bread and wine. Only God can turn plain and simple water into wine like he did at Cana, and only God can present himself to Christians through the sacramental union in his holy supper. Our Lord's presence at the wedding at Cana is a model for Christian weddings and Christian marriages. Wedding day should not be devoid of Christ. Weddings for Christian couples should be performed properly by called and ordained pastors and those weddings should be done in God's house where Jesus most clearly locates himself. The Christian confession of the two getting married should be the same. Therefore, they should work out differences in belief prior to marriage by searching the scriptures and receiving instruction from a faithful pastor. Because Satan is seeking to destroy, many troubles arise even in Christian homes. The devil will try to isolate couples so that they do not seek help when things are not going well. But remember, the Bible says a threefold cord is not easily broken. Think of a man and a woman as being two of those cords, and then wind in the third as Jesus, and he makes a marriage strong when he is a part of that marriage, just as he was at Cana. Jesus does his work today through his church. He establishes the ministry so couples can be strengthened through God's word and learn to be forgiving of one another. You see, Jesus is present to bless.
and does so abundantly. He made the best wine at Cana even when he did not need to. How much more will he work to bless marriages when they need his counsel and when they need his aid? We give thanks to God that he has not left us alone in this fallen world to figure things out for ourselves, but he has come to teach and bless, to strengthen, to counsel, and above all, to forgive, so that we are presented before God in heaven as spotless. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.